Hello, today is November 10th, uh, 2023. My name is Junie, and welcome to the Theta Game Podcast. I'm not a financial advisor, and nothing I say is financial advice. I'm literally just a normal retail trader, just like you. I'm not certified or a graduate of finance, just a regular trader that started on Wall Street Bets years ago. I've lost a lot of money and made some of it back and more after finding a system that worked for me. I share my trades, system, and experiences all for free. Learn from my mistakes and get a better start than me, or use my experiences to help you rebound after you trading Tesla one too many times. You can view all my trades for free at thetagain.com slash junie. No sign up required. Seriously, just go there. No pop-up, no ads, nothing. Just my trades. And email me any questions that I'll answer on the podcast at junie at thetagain.com. Lastly, I stream on Twitch every day the market is open for at least an hour, sometimes more, at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Come hang out, ask me questions, vent, or just chill. It's a positive environment and everyone is welcome at twitch.tv slash real gang. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. All right, real quickly, uh, the updates about the website that I built, uh, thetagain.com. You can now see who likes and who reacts to your sort of trades and posts. Before, it used to just say like, oh, one other person or two people thought this post was cool. But now you can see Junie liked this post, Junie thought this trade was cool, etc. All that cool stuff. Things that you think would be obvious, but of course, I'm a one-man show, and these things have to be built one by one. So now you can see people that react uh, to your posts. The changes that are coming up uh, are going to be based around the tracker. I want to have a visualizer or some sort of graph to help you visualize your cost basis and the work you're putting into selling cover calls and all that good stuff. I haven't been putting that much emphasis on the tracker, though I do put a lot of emphasis on it in the stream because I use it live on the stream um, to show people my cost basis or how I enter trades. Um, And I do know that a large number of people do use it as a tool, but on this podcast, I don't talk about the tracker that often. The tracker on thetagain.com takes the lists of trades that you've done for a particular ticker and it calculates the cost basis for you. So when you're choosing a cover call to write or maybe a cash secured put to write, uh, it can be tricky on, you know, where am I breaking even? Uh, This is different from a trade calculator where a trade calculator just takes the maybe like calculations and probabilities for that one singular trade. But I really like to emphasize history. Where are you on your cost basis if you take your wins and losses together so you can continue to be ahead? A lot of people get um, covered calls and cash secure puts just a little wrong because they forget they might have lost too many times before or won too many times before for this strike to make sense. So check it out. It keeps track of your cost basis for you as long as you upload all your trades to the website. Uh, And I think it's a very good trade-off, understanding that you also get a really cool history of your wins and losses to learn from. All right, up next, no cap, it's bussin' for real, for real. I'm going to pull up my Robinhood. So I started a 5K account challenge, and the purpose of the account being, of course, I want to prove that someone... Um, can do a 5k challenge to zero or a 5k challenge to 100k, whatever you want this clickbait title to be. Um, The point of the 5k account is that I could be more relatable um, because my account was much smaller when I first started. Um, I taught about smaller strategies when I first started as well. Um, But since I started doing the bigger trades that require more money in exchange, of course, for a better probability of profit, uh, I stopped doing credit spreads. But I opened this 5K Robinhood account um, in order for uh, just to log sort of credit spreads that everyone can look at for free at thetagang.com slash Junie5K, the number five and the letter K, Junie5K. And there you can see um, the progress that I've gotten so far. I trade live on Junie5K every day the market is open, 9 a.m. Pacific time, twitch.tv slash realthetagang. 
You don't need to sign up. You don't need to um, do nothing. You don't need to support me or anything. I literally just do this for the good of, I guess, the common people. Um, you know, I wish I had someone like me sort of trading and showing their trades. And so I could trust that, like, oh, this person might not know exactly what they're talking about, but they're show they're sharing, like, what's worked for them. I think that's the approach that I want to really give out is, like, I don't know everything, but I do know what I've done, and I have proof of that. So you can view the start of my proof at thetagang.com slash junie5k, and that's for free. Same thing as uh, thetagang.com slash junie. Um, going to my profile for, um, let's see, junie5k. Got to type that in, junie5k. <clears throat> so... Over the course of um, the last, I guess, two weeks I've been doing this, the 5K account is up $42 as we speak. Um, I won on a AMD put credit spread. I won on a Costco put credit spread. I also won on a Shopify put credit spread. But I lost on a Target put credit spread. Uh, I discussed with chat um, when I was streaming live on Twitch, discussing, you know, why this target trade wasn't as good it like the tldr is that i basically felt like i forced the trade i didn't receive enough premium to justify the uh, length of time or just the amount of volatility that could be priced in there so in the future i'll be looking for more premium when i'm taking on a trade like that so i have more buffer to be wrong but i was also down about like 230 240 dollars maybe at one point on this target put credit spread and on the final day it came back and i've only lost 57 dollars instead so you know we'll go into a little bit more in depth on profit targets and loss targets uh, in today's episode but i was just really glad that i've learned this lesson before back in 2019 when i traded put credit spreads and call credit spreads you can see proof of that at thetagang.com slash juni and then slide all the way down. Not juni5k. Juni5k is the new one. That's the only 5k. But slash juni, my main account, um, that started from a very smaller, a much smaller portfolio that grew into a much bigger portfolio. And I guess I'll talk just a little bit more on what I have open right now on juni5k. I have a put credit spread that is going through earnings because Target reports next week. Um, and this expires next week. So this is an earnings play. Um, I have a target put credit spread open. I have a Roblox put credit spread open and an AMD short iron condor. We opened the short iron condor on stream with a few hiccups because I just couldn't tell what expiration I was trading at sometimes, but we got it done. Very funny, very fun. Um, also, you know, as I'm mentioning the Twitch stream, we hit an all-time high since I've been back with Twitch um, just this week, just today on Friday, um, which honestly I thought would be a slower day. I think Fridays in particular are slower on Twitch, so I'm happy that people are making time out of their day to come see me. Again, it's 9 a.m., twitch.tv slash realthetagame. Thank you so much. Okay, I think it's everyone's favorite part of the story. I almost said stream. Everyone's favorite part of the podcast. Um, I, where I'm going to talk about the earnings where I've taken copious notes throughout the week based on the earnings that I care most about. Um, if you notice that I don't mention the company that you care about, but you know they reported, you could email me at juni at datagang.com and I'll get that on the list and reported here on the podcast. I'll see how that plays out. If too many people ask, then maybe it won't happen, but really... I don't think many people will ask. So go ahead, uh, email me at juniatetagang.com in case um, you want your podcast reported, or podcast reported, your company reported. We have Datadog up first, up 30%. They beat on earnings per share and revenue. They guided up for the year, uh, a.k.a. just next quarter, essentially. And they said that cost-cutting measures seem to have cooled off late October. This is good strictly because I had originally thought that maybe companies were continuing to cut costs. And typically, services like Datadog are a little bit more on the more expensive side. And there's a lot of, I'd say, dead code um, when people are implementing Datadog sort of features. Maybe their logs are too verbose or they have too many metrics being tracked leading to higher prices. 
So companies will tend to like downsize whatever plan or package they have with services like these, but because they reported in their earnings report that they see cost-cutting measures seem to have cooled off last month, I think that contributed a lot to the plus 30% pop that they saw. Uber uh, missed on earnings per share and earnings expectations. However, the number of Uber's monthly active platform consumers, maybe better suited as monthly active users, reached 142 million in the second quarter, up 15% year over year. Um, There were 2.4 billion trips completed on the platform during the period, up 25% year over year. Uber was up 2% from the morning, possibly also buoyed by the green market. I remember when I was reading this and I was like writing my notes down that the market was especially green that day. So, you know, while they did miss on earnings per share and earnings expectations, um, their stock was up 2%. But, you know, also monthly active users and the number of total volume of trips going up by 25%, 15%. That's great. That's great to hear for a growth oriented stock like Uber. And personally, I'm more of a fan of Uber than Lyft, but that's just me. eBay is up next. Bad forward guidance. Right now, bad forward guidance, I think, is the most damning thing for the stock, a.k.a. they have less plans on making money that analysts think they should based on their past performance versus the stock price. Um, 3% less users than the same time last year. That's never good. Um, And gross merchandise volume only grew by 2%. So they're not seeming to grow anytime soon with less users and slowing merchandise volume growth. Uh, And they were down 7% after hours. Rivian, uh, followed closely by Tesla, I think is one of the most dangerous stocks you can trade right now uh, if you're a real strong believer of EV. Um, Beat on revenue just by a little bit, but fell short on earnings per share estimates. Guided up on production of its vehicles, so that's great. Um, the goal of making 54,000 cars instead of 52,000. Rivian is now able to sell its electric delivery vans to other companies instead of just Amazon now, which is cool. And finally, they said that year over year, they lost less money this year than the same time last year. Uh, when I was writing this, um, the stock was up 4.5% after hours, but now that I'm looking at it, the stock has actually dropped 10% from the earnings report. So have it what you will. Um, the stock was up 4% off of the quick news, but I think maybe after it's digested, it went down actually 10%. Next up, I don't quite follow Bumble as often as I want to. I don't know if that's how I would phrase that, but yeah, Bumble's up next. Um, current CEO is being replaced with the CEO from Slack, female replacing a female, Lydianne Jones. Uh, the stock is now at an all-time low of $13.42, $13.42, which is down 6% after earnings. This is new leadership. Slack is a great company. I hear it's a really cool company to work for, so I'm sure that some of that will trickle down as uh, Lydianne Jones is now running Bumble. Um, new leadership could be big for the stock, or honestly, it could be about the same. We'll see over the next few quarters, uh, and good luck. Okay, we got one coming up that surprised me, uh, Roblox. They did not beat earnings per share expectations, though they did beat revenue. Um, They have 20% more daily active users than the same time last year. Roblox, uh, Roblox, Roblox also mentioned that it slowed its spending growth across major expense categories. More users, more efficient, and it's up 15% for that day. And it's since then corrected maybe about like, 8% from the top, Um, meaning not about beating earnings per share, uh, but it's more about the daily active user growth growing at a 20% rate that ended the stock green. So you can miss earnings per share estimates and still be green and vice versa. Controversial stock, Disney, earnings per share beat, but revenue fell short. Streaming costs are shrinking for Disney, which is still attracting new customers. So that's great. Um, The company continues to expect that its combined streaming businesses will reach profitability in the fiscal fourth quarter of 2024. So that's at the end of next year, they think streaming will be profitable. Disney also said it plans to continue to aggressively manage its cost base, increasing its cost-cutting measures by an additional $2 billion to a target of $7.5 billion. Disney trading up 3% after hours. This is great news. Anytime a company right now is talking about making things more efficient, that seems to be the tagline that makes the stock be green. And that's the 
forward guidance that we want right now because there was a lot of pre <coughs> Ooh, that was crazy had a random cough attack so yeah anytime a company talks about like cutting um cutting costs it's it's a good thing it's almost like remember when uh earnings calls said something about like anything about ai and stock jumped right now anybody talks about cutting costs that seems to be the next keyword so I'm happy to see Disney doing okay. I got I see that there's some new movies coming out though. I haven't watched a Disney movie in a long long time. At, at least a new one. So, you know, Disney going strong, cutting costs and uh maybe we'll see more with streaming. And next up, our beloved Twilio, uh the company that lets other companies and engineers use coding for phone call and SMS features. They beat on revenue and EPS. Customer growth is slowing, but their free cash flow positive now by a substantial margin compared to last year, about more than double. This means they could put that money to growth if they wanted, or whatever they thought was best. Twilio this year in February uh, authorized the repurchase up to one billion of its stock, and as of today, Twilio has completed about 62% of that at 620 million dollar of uh, repurchases, representing over 62% of the total program amount. Twilio intends to continue making progress against the balance of its share repurchase authorization in future quarters, which just means that um, they're going to continue with that $620 million, maybe make that $800 million going forward. Um, typically, you know, companies don't report well just on how much they actually buy back. You have to like look into the reports and deeper if you want to understand how much they actually did buy back. Most buybacks um, are up to an amount right it's like if someone if some company authorized a buyback of like say a billion dollars like in this case it's up to a billion dollars the company could technically never buy it back so that's why you have to take those sort of articles and headlines with a grain of salt if you know maybe paypal is buying back like a, a like a billion dollars uh, of stock but they it's just up to that billion so just pay extra careful attention to that Lyft, uh, EPS missed pretty big, coming in at minus three cents versus fifteen cents expected. That's a huge difference. I mean, a loss versus something pretty positive. Revenue was barely beat. Stock trading down five percent after hours. Uber traded up and guided bigger, and Lyft did not. It seems like Uber right now is winning the battle. Last but not least, the advertising company, the Trading Desk, they are down thirty percent after hours. That was crazy. When I saw that number, when I saw that headline, I was like, that has to be a typo or like maybe I have to rub my eyes. Maybe it's like actually 3%. Guidance for the fourth quarter was way off. The company forecasted making $580 million when analysts were expecting $610 million. That's about $30 million that are, that's like left unchecked. They beat this quarter, um, you know, or the third quarter's earning per share and revenue expectations. Uh, but this goes to show how important guidance is right now, whether it's cutting costs or making sure that, you know, your growth is continuing to grow. Um, typically, holidays are a really good time for advertisers. So I'm sure that this is why it's been impacted so much, because advertisers will pay more because there's more demand to advertise your product during Christmas time. So we'll see where the stock goes from here. If you've ever looked at the trading desk or you're maybe really into advertising, I think the trading desk is a pretty Honestly, decent company. I've traded the trading desk a few times. It's been good to me, at least. But wow, if I traded earnings this time, I would have gotten got for sure. Earnings are dangerous. You cannot expect to trade earnings and make money. You play earnings to expect to have fun. And it's fun when you make money. But wow, it is hard to stay having fun when you lose. Be careful. All right, uh, today we're going to be talking about, I think I'm going to recall this, realizing profits. I kind of just like, I'll, I'll write that down here. I make up the, um, the title of the podcast episodes as I like record. Um, I think this one would probably make the most sense. Uh, I get asked this question pretty much at least once a week since I've started this, um, it, whether it's on Twitch or through email. Um, people love to ask me, like, when do I take profits? Um, that's usually, you know, followed by when do I stop my losses? I'll kind of touch a little bit of, on both, but more importantly, I'll just answer. When it comes to realizing profits, 
it really depends on like what style of trading you're doing. For example, if you're on the sell side, whether if you're selling options, writing options, both the same thing, uh, you typically want to take profits at 50%. Say you receive maybe $100 in credit for whatever type of trade you are doing on the sell side, you want to buy it back for 50 bucks. This is, I think, common like industry practice. You know, that's what I've been seeing since I've started. I still see that same advice still being passed around. And that's the one that I really go by as well. And I could prove that it works. Um, for long options, the more responsible one that I've seen is taking profits at 30%, especially if you've um, sort of gotten that 30% really quickly. Um, because prices swing up and down. You can't forget that when buying calls. So if you get 30% really quickly, you have to understand that that's pretty lucky in your favor and you should consider taking it off the table. Realizing profits isn't just a set percentage though. Um, for example, what if you buy multiple quantities of a particular strategy? You know, what if you buy 10 naked calls, right? And you're betting that the stock will go up a lot. Say it does go up 30% really quickly. Do you sell all 10 of your calls at the same time? No, there are other strategies where you can ladder out. Maybe you sell a third of your position now or half of your position now where it pays for your position and you let the less ride. There, that stuff, those strategies are all viable. I can't speak to those as much because in my past, I've always bought calls, I've always bought puts and they, for me in the long run, didn't work for me. So I'm not going to speak to that um, on today's episode. I do have a clear um, like all-time graph of Robinhood that clearly reflects that I'm not very good at buying options. But when it comes to selling options, I'm just a little bit more knowledgeable. On the sell side, you get w what's called um, an advantage in probability of profit. Okay, uh, In Robinhood, it's called chance of profit. In Tastyworks, it's called probability of profit. And I don't know about any other brokerage app um, you know, different brokerages have different terms, but you can understand what it kind of means. It's like the probable chance to win. Um, when you have this uh, percentage, like if this trade has a 70% chance to win, that 70% is your chance to win on the expiration date. I don't know how it's calculated. I let the math nerds and math whizzes to calculate and do the formulation for me. I'm, this is not my domain. I am very bad at math. But I do know that that 70% number that I do see um, often and is the one that I strive for to look at, to buy, to sell, that 70%, oops, um, that is a email. Um, yeah, I'll, I will reply to you in just a bit. That's an email from to Theta Gang. That's nice. Okay, anyway. Um, Oh, I forgot what I was saying. My bad, my bad. I thought I would keep that in just because, you know, I am recording this podcast. I just want to let you guys know, like, this is sort of the stuff that kind of happens while I talk. And there's, it's, it doesn't go as neatly as planned. It's not like I block out three hours and I, I just, like, jam this through. Um, there's things that happen. You know, I might have to step outside or, you know, reread something or, you know, research something. And, you know, maybe sometimes I get an email notification that distracts me. Um Anyway, that 70% chance probability profit that I see, you see, and any of the brokerage platforms is the probability of profit at expiration. So you have to essentially sit on your position till the very end in order to get that 70%. That 70% does shift up and down as the stock moves. But all things considered, at expiration, at the time you buy it or at the time you sell it, if you see 70% chance or probability of profit, that is the probability of profit at expiration. And you might be thinking, wow, Junie, how the heckin' does that relate to me? I see a lot of people uh, start to sell options, write options, and do all these fun things, um, but they don't have the discipline or they, the experience to wither through a red trade. Uh, for example, I have had a slew of red trades, put credit spreads and call credit spreads, back in 2019. Um, in 2019, I have a history of it, thetagain.com slash Juni. You can look at it, scroll all the way down, look at the put credit spread and the call credit spreads. I have some pretty big losses and 
pretty big wins. Um, well, actually, I would say the wins are pretty small, but the losses can, can be pretty large. It's just that you win more often that offset the bigger losses. So the math does check out. I do make um, good choices when it comes to uh, credit spreads, and I find that holding, them, holding on to them to expiration has worked the best for me. Now, what does this mean for realizing profits? It means that if you wait to expiration, you have more of a chance to be correct. You have more of a chance to see that 70% come through. If you saw red right when you opened the trade, and for example, my best trades start off red, okay? Like in the history of my most memorable, my most fun, my most exhilarating trades, They've all started really red, but end up very green near the end. That's for like my covered calls, my cash secured puts. And I just saw that today with Target, my put credit spread that I closed for a loss. But still, it was a $240 loss versus what I closed it at, at like a $67 loss or something. Something much more manageable for the long-term health of the 5K portfolio. But I would not have gotten that if I saw the $200 loss or $240 loss on my put credit spread, closed it early for that amount when I could have waited, which I did, to this Friday, which, which is the day of recording, I got a much smaller loss. And then comes the like push and pull, the balance of, you know, Junie, you could have exited this uh, target put credit spread early. You know, why didn't you just stop your losses at around $60 or $70 to begin with? Why would you ever let it get down to $200? That, I think, is the sort of epitome of my strategy when it comes to selling options is I am always down to take on the max loss. For example, when I write a cash-secured put, I want the shares. I really do. I think a lot of people um, downplay how much they want the shares or rather overplay because a lot of people say that they're down to own the shares at a specific price, when they, especially when they talk about theta gang strategies because it seems cool that's a win-win scenario. But it's not a win-win if you really don't believe that it's a win. When I'm talking about a put credit spread or a call, spread, a call credit spread, the amount of money that I initially receive is the justification for the max loss. I say, you know what? I am down to receive this X amount of money for taking on this bet with the risk of losing this all. And there, I don't have any sort of human emotion that I could put in saying like, you know what? I'll keep my eyes on this maybe, and then I'll close my losses if it gets too scary or anything. I say, hey, I'm going to receive this much premium and then for exchange that I might possibly lose this much more premium. But I have a 70% chance to win if I hold it the entire time. That is my core thesis for put credit spreads and call credit spreads. It doesn't really go much beyond that. I don't like having to look at my trade every single second of the day, seeing if the candles are going to line up and the stars are going to line, and then suddenly Mars is in Gatorade, all that sort of stuff. I don't like doing that oogla boogla stuff because that's what originally got me like under the uh, in red essentially on my Robin Hood, which led me to get fed up with that. Start ThetaGang.com, record my trades, and show everyone that like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna actually just try to trade responsibly and see that show everyone that maybe doesn't even work, and it ended up working, and now I get to have all these cool experiences. And I'm able to talk about these sort of strategies with a lot of confidence because I'm not necessarily telling you that you need to buy this specific company or that you need to do this specific style. I'm just letting you guys and girls know that that these strategies have worked really, really well for me. And I hope they, they work well for you, but you have to do it in a way that makes sense over the long run. A common pitfall that we could get into is, you know, taking a little bit too little premium for the probability of profit. You know, some of you might be asking like, Junie, why don't you just take a 90% probability profit trade in exchange for less credit? Well, the max loss and those are still about the same. If you choose like a $4 width spread, uh, that's going to be like a $400 max loss. You pick a 90% chance of it happening, you're going to receive like 2 or $3 with a max loss of $397. 
some of you are like, wow, that sounds like guaranteed money, you know, 97% chance, but then you guaranteed to make three bucks. Hey, three bucks is three bucks. But the market is crazy. It is irrational. It will do things you never have thought it could do, especially on the days where you're most confident. So you always have to assume to some degree that the, your credit spread will be blown up. My call credit spread would be blown up. Any of my trades on datagain.com slash Juni5K, one of them are eventually going to be blown up. But I have this system, this set of rules that I follow so that I can win enough times before that happens where maybe that one big loss maybe puts me back in my break even. Maybe it puts me a little bit red. Or maybe my worst scenario, I'm already ahead big enough where it just sets me back in profit. I'm still green on the 5K account. All of which you know, is a lot more scary to do if I just didn't know what I was doing. So I think that's what sets my 5K account different from someone else that might else want to do it where you don't have a, uh, as much experience as I do. You know, maybe they've done like a few credit spreads like in the past, like here and there. But I remember like actually taking time to like read Reddit, watch YouTube, write down notes. I would practice drawing it out on my like MS Paint clone on the browser um, that I like going to. And I would like do examples. I really try to understand it all. I still have hiccups, you know. I had a, I had a hiccup this this week on stream on calculating spreads. It's just you know doing math in front of people is just so so nerve wracking sometimes. But um, yeah, I mean, I just have so much experience that I want to share with you all. Um, these were some of my sort of go tos for put credit spreads and call credit spreads. You know, you want to wait until expiration um, to close them out. Um, one thing that, you know, we did talk about on the stream is that there is a risk where you get assigned early on a spread, which I'll go into maybe on a different podcast episode. Um, and I do, I am wording my strategy just a little bit off in, in a sense that like, I don't actually like to let my put credit spreads and call spread, credit spreads expire. I would rather close them for whatever dollar amount that they're worth at close because I don't need that extra one or two dollars to justify my trade. I think you can get caught up if you are thinking like, oh, you know what? There's five minutes left in the market. I'm just going to collect that one extra dollar and let this expire. Um, I would highly suggest not doing that because that's what I've always done and that's worked for me. Is that you should just close out the trade, be really happy you made like 99% of the money back. Um, and just be happy with that because... What happens if there's like a big market crash in the last five minutes? What happens if there's a large market rally in the last five minutes and you're on the bearish side? Or, um, you know, what happens if the market closes and then you can't do anything about it? And then in after hours, your stock is affected and it goes up and down because of a news article or some piece coming out that badmouths it, right? You lose control of your options positions after the market closes. So you want to make sure that you have everything accounted for. If you are extremely green on expiration day, take your profits there. That's an excellent time to take your profits. If you haven't taken your profits at 50% already, uh, and yeah, just be happy with that. Another tip that I would give for realizing profits comes from when your trade goes really well at the start. You know, I've talked about, you know, if your trade goes bad and it stays bad, you want to wait till expiration to see if the price goes back to your favor and all that good jazz. You already signed up for what you lost because credits have credit spreads have like a well-defined max loss, blah blah blah. But what happens if your trade goes really well? Uh when should you exit? You should always exit at 50% profit. So meaning if you received $100 for taking on this um I don't know, cash secured put or put credit spread, you want to buy it back for 50 bucks. Release yourself of the obligation, collect the 50 bucks yourself, and move on. If in the first like third of your expiration, date to expiration, maybe you're holding on to something for a month, but in your first week, you collect 30% of the premium. Let's use this $100 example. Uh, if you collected 30 bucks already, you're up already 30% on your position. You should consider taking it off the table. Collect the plus 30% really quickly, buy it back for um, 70 bucks, collect 30 bucks for yourself, and call that a day. What happens is you have to make the risk reward of like, okay, I have this amount of money in obligation 
for three more weeks. Remember, assuming that we collected 30% in the first week and there's three more weeks left making a month. So there's three more weeks left on this contract. I could collect 30% now, realize those profits, or I could subject this trade to go south, red, chop, anything that can make this trade go wrong. Now, in some cases, if you're really bullish, you can keep this trade on. You can. And you can just collect the profits at 50% like you normally would. But let's say that this was a, just a little bit more of an extreme example. What if you got 30% in one day? Like what if you got some insane timing on a put credit spread and the price went up like right when you got it and you got 30% in a day when you have 29 days left on the contract? You take that right off the table. You say that you're the luckiest person alive in the comments on your post and you be happy because that's really hard to do. Getting 30% in one day on return on investment is huge. Be happy with that, that you're not on the hook for 29 more days because you were able to exit for this for a profit and be happy. As you win more and win more often, because these trades do win more often than, say, the other side where you're buying puts and buying calls that have a 30% probability of profit versus the 70% probability of profit that writing options typically gives you, um, you're going to be able to experiment. You're going to be like, okay, Junie said that you know you can take uh, early 30% off the table. Well, I'm going to pretend um, that I didn't listen to him this time. I'm going to just leave it on. And maybe you see that it goes up to 50% and you're like, heh, heh, Junie, you were wrong. I'm going to collect this at 50%. Um, and then you collect 50% and you bounce and you're good. Um, but then maybe next time it, you get a quick 30% and the stock maybe like reverses the next day. Maybe it was a dead cat bounce and you're like, wow, you know what? I do realize how lucky I was for 30%. There's so many different ways to play this, so many different ways to realize profits. These sort of um, uh, methods that I use, aka always taking profit at 50%, take the early 30% if you can, and if you're losing let it expire or wait until the last day it expires before closing it so you're off the hook. These are the main core philosophies that I use for, for put credit spreads and call credit spreads and are really, really dang close for my cash secured puts and covered calls. Um, but I do want to make this episode more oriented for my 5K account because, again, I realize that this is more relatable. Uh, maybe in the future I'll talk about my cash secured puts and covered calls just a little bit more but let's just stay focused on the 5K. Next up, real quickly, I just thought this was one of the more interesting posts on Wall Street Bets as of late. There was a Rivian YOLO of 13,000 shares uh, at 1775 that costed $230,000. The stock is now at 1540, um, and that nets a loss of about 30k. Now, can you imagine if you spent that 30k and put it in a 5% savings account? That'd be pretty cool. Uh, what what is that? 5% of 30k is $1,500. So that, that's pretty cool, I guess. I mean, for an entire year, maybe that's a little small, um, but. What you can do instead, if you wanted to like light thirty thousand dollars on fire, but actually have like a good chance at like something happening good with your thirty thousand dollars, what happens if you wrote three at the money cash secured puts for AMD? You know, boom, right there. You could get twelve hundred dollars for holding on to an obligation for AMD for twelve hundred bucks. And the probability of profit on this trade is 68%. Wow. Wow, that's like way more than, uh, I guess, well, in this case, they're not buying calls. But, you know, I think there are a lot of really cool ways to sort of exercise your knowledge of options if you do it in a responsible manner. Um, this person bought stock, which I'm kind of happy about, so they didn't lose too much. Uh, I say didn't lose too much because, like, I guess 30K is not too much in terms of you know i'm just thinking of all the horror stories that have ever happened and 30k is not that big um but it's still a substantial amount where you could have just generated like 12 1200 from selling amd cash secure puts for like every month for the rest of your life and maybe amd craps the bed and goes bankrupt and maybe that doesn't turn out working well one day 
but at least you would have generated like 1200 bucks at a 70% probably a profit for the rest of like your life, you know? That's the sort of risk reward that I start looking at now when I like contemplate on opening a trade that can like set me back a few tens of thousands of dollars is like, it really just comes down to like how many cash secure puts can I write on AMD with this thing? Or can I make more um, than just like putting this X amount of money into a 5% account, you know? Um, so yeah, I just thought this was interesting. I thought I'd give like an alternative of like what you could have done with the money. Of course, like if you had just, instead of bought 200, th like $30,000 worth of Rivian stock and use that 230,000 just to do a AM, like AMD cash secure puts like one, two, three, four, five. <clears throat> this is a, this is a lot. Okay. Uh, 230. So if you put all 230 into cash secure puts for AMD, you could have made $8,000. That's pretty cool. It's very dangerous. I would probably never recommend this. N not even probably. I'll take that word out. I would never recommend doing this. But there's really crazy stuff you could do with that amount of money. And the fact that people kind of want to yellow that away is kind of outstanding to me. But what is, what is it called? It's called Wall Street Bets, everybody. Say it with me. Wall Street Bets. It's not Wall Street save this forever and then die with a large bank account. It's called Wall Street Bets. Yellow it all. You know, so I get the spirit. It's about having fun. I'm being boring. I know. My bad. My bad. And that was today's episode. Pretty good episode. I feel good. <laughs> My cough is still kind of there. So I have to take like some pauses in between takes, but we're good. Um, this podcast, the website, and stream are all made possible because of my patrons at patreon.com slash thetagang. Uh, as you'll notice, there are no ads in this podcast. There are no ads on the website, and there are, well, there are ads on the Twitch stream, but I, I really can't do anything about those. Um, signing up uh, with Patreon is a really big help. Uh, signing up helps keep the services up and uh, helps keep me alive as it pays my own personal bills like health insurance. Um, I do the podcast, website, and stream full-time, and this is my primary source of income. I got laid off earlier this month, but luckily I've had this passion project slowly growing in the background for the last four years, so I feel safe, I feel good, but it is scary not having a reliable paycheck. Um, I feel grateful to be able to do this full time and my focus is on providing the best possible service for free. The podcast website and stream are all free and it'll stay that way. Signing up for Patreon does give you a few perks though, like the discord. So check it out again at patreon.com slash If you're interested in helping support, we had a lot of people sign up this month, um, already. And it's only, well, I guess in, not this month, but rather like the last two weeks because two weeks ago was October. So like the late October and this week, we've had a good amount of people sign up. Uh, familiar faces, new faces, some people from the Twitch stream. It feels really, really gratifying because I'm putting my like heart and soul into this thing right now. And the fact that people can see that I'm putting this much energy into it gets them hyped enough to want to support. It feels really, really good. I want to give a shout out to my most updated list. Someone just signed up in the last like two hours. So, you know, this is the most well-defined list I have yet. And here we go. Huge, huge shout out to Fancy Wolf, Los Pepes, Mods, Pasture Bedtime, Upstream Puddle, Seneca, Insys88, EDC, Kevlar22, Nala, J Perkins86, Slow Motion, Rustier, Digester, Grandpa95, Trekking Dinner, Jack O'Lantern, Bob, Kaput, K21, Butler, Sumatrix, Statistically Random, Turbo, Ricky, Maestro XC, Lord Skeletor, Major, Tickle Me, Elmo, Averillion, The Noob 9000, McFly, Mr. Integrity, Rooster, Bearded Savage, Caveman, NEV, Arfman, Mememet, I Can't Make Money, IRL, and eight, Maltman, 1856. Yeah, boy, the list is growing. Let's go. Feels good. Feels good. Okay, so the reason why I feel I sound more echoey is because this list of people, of patrons, of my supporters, um, are on my other laptop. So, and I can't quite move my laptop, which sounds really, sounds really backwards because you know the laptop's supposed to be movable. But um, anyway, yeah, like I said, it feels really gratifying that the list is growing. Uh, it's been a while since I've lost my sort of uh, breath saying the list. 
but um feels good brings back the memories when you know trading stocks was cool um it's much less cool now but it, it does it does show that like you know who who does this for as a you know passion is pretty pretty cringe i'm not gonna say who does this as a passion but um you know who who does do this even when other people aren't doing it and i think it's pretty awesome that people make time out of their day to understand something like this because you know there are so many cool things you can do in your life as as you live it which oh my god it sounds like i'm trying to i'm trying to be um fancy with my words um you know we got we had some discussion happening in the twitch stream today um by the way twitch stream today all-time highest amount of people i've ever had for a stream all time very crazy very grateful but um yeah near the end when we were just hanging out um you know someone asked like you know i'm getting bored at home something along the lines of that you know i i have the most fun trading while the market's open the weekends are kind of boring and there's a lot of cool things that you can do i mean i do jujitsu um I think if I had freedom, total freedom of like my weekends, I would want to pick up ceramics. Um, I like watering my plants every now and then. I keep shrimp. Um, you know, shrimp keeping is a hobby. It's similar to like keeping fish, but you keep these like little tiny artisan shrimp. Don't really know how else to explain it than than that. But yeah, that's how weird I am. You go next. <laughs> um, there's that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many cool things you can do. And it doesn't even have to involve people, right? Like, I know some people are just, like, kind of they, – they don't want to deal with people. I totally get that. Uh, but I also say hanging out with people, as much as I don't like it sometimes, it's good for you. Like, you need just, like, to be with people to not get weird. Like, to like being as frank as possible because, you know, I'm a pretty shy dude. Um, but if, you know, I am around people that I'm comfortable with, I'll be really loud. Um, that's just me in a nutshell. I don't think I would say like I'm introverted, extrovert. Cause I think that's a, or a, a really overused term to be honest. I feel like just everyone's really comfortable with people you're comfortable with. I, I think that's, that's just what it really is. Um, so I do hope that you can, you know, find it in yourself to be strong enough to go hang out with people that maybe you haven't hung out in a while or you do hang out with new people when you join a new hobby because it does open yourself up to find those people that you are comfortable with. I, I understand as you get older as well that, you know, it's harder to find friends. It's harder to retain, you know, sort of your buddy-buddy relationships just because you might have kids, you might have a wife, you might have all these other things that might be keeping you sort of distracted from making sure that you have a fulfilled life of your own not to say that your wife or kids wouldn't fulfill your life wholeheartedly because they should but everyone deserves to have friends like um, i look at my parents who are in their mid and late 60s now and um i the number one thing that i think me and my stepdad reflect on is that he wishes he had more friends and you know i can easily just say well what about umma or what about my mom uh but it's i can understand you know it's different. You, I think you need friends in every stage of your life, and I'm grateful that I have friends right now that I can call my friends. Um, and that's really it. I, I, I can tell that there are certain parts of the Internet where people will be an echo chamber for you and say that you don't need friends and you don't need to impress anybody, you don't need to do this, which all have merit. You never do need to impress anybody. You need to just be satisfied with being your best version of yourself. I agree. Um, but that's no excuse not wanting to have friends. You need to have friends. That's one of the things that I would give advice on. You know, This isn't financial advice, but this is life advice. This is for sure something you need to know. Okay, because, you know, with the whole Sigma trend, you know, oh, be an alpha male, do everything on your own. Um, You know, just don't don't let anyone get too close. Uh, You know, don't get a girlfriend because they'll distract you. And, you know, what happens? What happened to like getting a girlfriend and learning the hard way or getting a girlfriend and them actually becoming your fiance one day or something? You know, it's um, I think it's easier to actually be alone alone 
it's not it's not as difficult as it is to retain and make friends because you have to put energy on your side for that to be a fair transaction you have to be someone enjoyable to hang out with all can be sort of learned you know maybe your first attempt at making friends isn't so good uh, but you learn or you ask like you ask someone you trust right hopefully you have at least one of those you know why maybe that relationship didn't work or and that stuff hopefully that person doesn't tell just tell you it is what it is and you know if the, if they do maybe that's a good time where you see a therapist or something you know um but yeah it, i realize like a lot of people don't actually get to hear this sort of talk especially like guy to guy like you know as a dude you tell another dude you um I don't know, you got laid off or maybe your like girlfriend broke up with you and they're like, oh yeah, whatever, you'll be fine. And you're like, haha, yeah, and it, that's that's really it, you know? But uh, friends are, your real friends will get a little bit deeper than you, than that, you know? And everyone deserves to have that sort of like low-key therapeutic session of being able to just talk about comfortably with, with whatever hardship you're going through. Because talking about your problems is the first step in solving your problems. If you face any sort of like um, sad event or happy event that you would want to share, if you want to just talk, you want to chill, you want to vent, you want to uh, talk over a really scary trade that just happened or you're in a scary trade right now or you see a really scary negative balance and you want to talk it out, uh, my Twitch stream is on, again, every Monday through Friday. The stock market is open at 9 a.m. Pacific time at twitch.tv slash realthetagang. Um, I think that's it for today. Um, yeah, that was my little spiel on sort of like mental health, the importance of friends and whatnot, because there's a lot of negative news out there with the economy and with a lot of this alpha, sigma male type of BS uh, you can be alpha as heck and have lots of friends. I'm just going to say that right now. Just because someone has lots of friends and is, you know, really easy to get along with doesn't make them any less alpha. I think that's very, very backwards. So, yeah, enjoy the rest of your weekend, y'all. And I'll see everybody Monday morning for the Twitch stream, 9 a.m. Pacific time, twitch.tv slash Thank you.